Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast here. This is episode 103. Tonight, we're going to be recapping the 2021 Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix, or easily more easily known, the Imola Grand Prix. I'm going to bring in my two fellow co-hosts, my Backmarkers, in just a minute. I just wanted to give you guys a quick reminder that this podcast is sponsored by our friends over at the GP Box. You can get some exclusive discount code links down found in the description of this video below. And you'll be able to uh, get some exclusive uh, discounts to some great F1 merchandise, car parts, F1 team memorabilia, a whole sorts of things. So please do check the description down below and you'll find out some of those uh, discount links from our sponsors. So in today's episode, we're going to be recapping a very chaotic Grand Prix at Imola. And I'm going to welcome in two of my co-hosts still doing this virtually via Zoom. Hopefully we should be uh, rejoined together in the near future, but uh, bringing in tonight... Uh, Somebody that looks a little bit different. I'm not sure if you're going to recognize him. Looking a lot more younger nowadays. Welcome along, Shaker. How you doing? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I mean, shave the beard off, I think, for the first time. I think I was telling these guys in like six or seven years. So, yeah, I do look like I'm 16. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's nice to be back after such a fantastic race. I'm sure you guys all saw it and enjoyed it as much as I did. But, yeah, it's great to be back. Yeah, quite the gap between the first and second race of the season, almost like a separate offseason in its own. But uh, mm. since that offseason, Tyler McDonald has not grown his beard. He's still looking as dapper as ever. Tyler, what's going on? How you doing? Not too much. Uh, you know, a couple extra colors coming in, though. There's some gray and some, some red in there. So I think it's I think it's getting shaven tonight. I'm going to try and look like Shaker. He looks handsome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, he's... Oh. He's got his uh, whole uh, Twitch setup as well, too. So, uh, yeah, we're all, we're all fired up, ready to go for this episode. Got a lot to cover because this was uh, pretty much, I, I think the best way to describe this race was how Alonso described it, you know, post-race in the press conference, which was that, you know, normally this would take about five or six races in order to get a safety car, a red flag, wet conditions, dry conditions, all of that. But we all got it in the first race, or excuse me, in the second race of the season. So I think that's probably the best way to describe this race. A little bit of everything in the end, though. Round two of this championship did go to Max Verstappen. And what was a, a really, really, I wouldn't say a, an easy victory because he definitely had a lot of dramatic moments on his own. But Tyler, I'll start with you. We could get into more specifics later on. But just general thoughts on the race uh, as you're watching it unfold on Sunday. What, what are some parts that stu stuck out to you? And just overall, how much are you enjoying this, uh, what it seems like it's going to be a close championship this year? Yeah, I thought the race was phenomenal. Um and you mentioned the close championship. I mean, yeah, it's going to be close between Verstappen and Hamilton up top, but, uh, you know, McLaren is showing phenomenal pace so far this season, especially Lando Norris. He really impressed me. The Ferraris look awesome this year so far. Um, you know, Aston Martin will slowly get there. They seem to have a pacey car, but uh, maybe just not quite there. Um, so the midfield's looking really great right now. And, you know, I think I forget what my prediction was at the start of the season. Whether it was five different teams on the podium, I think it was what it was, or something like that. Something like that. I, I think it's possible this season, which is awesome. Um, the race, I mean, like you mentioned, had everything in it pretty much. Uh, you know, a scary incident between uh, George Russell and Valtteri Bottas. We'll touch on that later. Um, for me, I, I was more. Uh, annoyed at the Nicholas Latifi incident just as a, a Canadian and supporting Canadian drivers. Uh, that was unfortunate to see him go out after what was uh, his best qualifying in F1 so far in his career. I thought he was phenomenal and the Williams looked pretty handy down in Emil this weekend, which is nice to see uh, maybe a little bit of 
you know, although they didn't get points, uh, some positive to take out for Williams trying to come back. Yeah, and how about you, Shaker? I know uh, you were just catching up on some of the uh, the end of the race, some parts that you missed, but what are your overall thoughts? I mean, uh, like Tyler mentioned, there was a lot to to kind of take from this race, but what, what sort of stood out to you? Um, I mean, as soon as I saw, like, the formation lap, because that's around the time that I tuned into the race, and I saw it was a wet track, I got really excited, yeah. like, right away. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. Um, and then watching just the, just, I mean, it was just a great race and exactly, you know, what we expect from a wet race, absolute chaos throughout the race. Um, it was really interesting to see the different team strategies that came to play, um, all from like all over the field, not from Mercedes, Red Bull, um, uh, AlphaTauri, uh, so it was it was just a really good race overall from, and key aspects, like I said, just covered everything. It was a great wet race, great strategies. We got to see different people on the podium, just, you know, exactly what we got from Germany last year, uh, which was another fantastic wet race. <laughs> I was about to say that, Shaker, how it reminded me a little bit at the start of Germany because he had cars flying off during yep. or before the formation lap, just going to the grid uh, at a um, Correct me if I'm wrong. It, Sebastian went off, or did he had brake issues? He had brake issues, um, which was weird because I believe uh, Lance Stroll also had the same yeah. brake issue as well. So they thought it was just something to do with the rain, uh, I believe, just because right. they weren't expecting rain to come so quickly. There was uh, a driver that went off, though, wasn't there? Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc, yeah. That's right. Um, and I think, no, there was Latifi that went off afterwards, right? That was the first yeah, lap. Nick, yeah, Latifi went off afterwards, and then Vettel started in the pits. I think that was the main right. one. But, and then Charles Leclerc did go off. Uh, and then it was Michael Schumacher, I think, at the restart <laughs> that went off. He made, yeah, so I was trying to remember if that was at the uh, – sorry, um, yes. You, you, <laughs> uh, you, made, yeah. you made the crofty mistake and called I him Michael Schumacher. I made the crofty Schumacher. mistake, yeah. <laughs> But uh, Mick Schumacher, sorry. Uh, but yes, I think I was trying to remember if that was at the beginning. But uh, yeah, that was at the restart, correct? That was uh, during the safety car for Latifi, I believe. Okay. Yeah. If I remember right. No, but um, I believe, yeah, I believe you're correct. It was Charles Leclerc and then Sebastian Vettel were the two uh, incidents right off the bat. And Lance Stroll's whole car being on fire, according to him. I hope Brad was listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if no one saw it during the... Uh, radio messages for the best radio messages i thought i thought it was very funny but uh when there's you're talking about the fire for aston martin lance was, was the whole thing's on fire brad and <laughs> brad then says just drive fast go fast <laughs> oh yeah it was uh, it was really good um and then on uh, the restart was just something else you know like starting in second gear to take the lead right off the first uh, first turn for max for stopping and just, you know, just really interesting start to the race in general. <laughs> yeah, did you guys think, uh, how did you guys think of that move? I thought it was an awesome move by Max. Um, I know Hamilton was complaining a little bit that he got pushed off right wide, uh, as he uh, said. But uh, I thought it was a, a clean racing move, especially on first lap, quarter one, going for the lead of the race. Um, I thought it was a nice aggressive move by Max. I thought he needed to do that after starting behind Hamilton in P3 and getting such a good launch that he did with um, starting in second gear, which was a, an awesome decision by him. Mm -hmm. um, I, I thought it was fully fair of a move myself. 
Um, sorry, I saw Chris's th- thing fall on the background. Is there a crash? Would it crash in Chris's background? Did something fall? <laughs> I th- I think I saw something fall on the right side there, did it not? But anyway, I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I th- I I just want to. I was gonna say like I think it was the perfect move by Max because he needed to he needed to get himself clear and be able to see exactly where he was going and and obviously Hamilton having the d- disadvantage being in first place because he's getting all the water going right into his face. Um, I think it was absolutely the right call because uh, Hamilton was gonna expect it. You know, like it was just such an unexpected thing to do because you're expecting him to stay in line uh, in the wet track and just kind of follow along and kind of get adjusted and just to push off right off at the beginning. Like you're not expecting that right off the bat being in, you know, starting in the the, the P3 position. Yeah. Yeah. you. Sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and it was a good sign that Red Bull because they've struggled the most on their starts last season. Mm-hmm. So whatever they did, whether it's just different engine mapping or maybe just in this case, it was the the wet conditions starting in the higher gear that helped them. But mm-hmm. uh, it's something that they struggled last year, so it's a good sign that this year. But you even saw on the start, I mean, Max was kind of dipping a tire onto the, the grass. But to your question, Tyler, I would agree with you guys as well. I think that move was 100% clean going into turn one and two. And I think that uh, it was something that what else are you going to expect from Verstappen, right? But it's first lap. I mean, all that, that's that's normal. And I think that he gave Lewis enough room. Uh, Hamilton didn't really necessarily back off. He was trying to fight him and then eventually came out worse for, for worse for wear, but totally racing incident. I just, you know, going back, thinking of last race with the whole drama and the last couple laps, I thought it was very interesting that we had one right off on lap one of, of this race as well. Um, so no, I, I, I thought it was an awesome race, um, from both the Red Bull drivers. So, uh, you know, Sergio looked really good in qualifying. I, I think we, we need to give him some kudos starting P2. Um, yeah, he made a mistake during the race, uh, but his recovery drive, I thought was, was very well done showing a lot of pace in that Red Bull, which is, mm-hmm. um, very good for Red Bull to have two dogs in the fight this year, rather than the one. I, I think they can really use that to their advantage. For sure. Um, And just on Sergio Perez, I think, yes, he didn't really show race pace, but I think uh, seeing from, you know, what we've seen from Pierre Gassi and Alex Albon, I think that's something every Red Bull has kind of struggled, a Red Bull driver that comes in has kind of struggled with because they can get, even Pierre Gassi on some weeks when he was in that Red Bull seat, he had qualifying pace, he had race pace, but I think just the combination of both to carry it through all weekend, I think is the difficult thing being in that Red Bull. Uh, and I wonder we've talked about it before, just the racecraft of Max to make that Red Bull, you know, go all weekend. Uh, but I think it, I, I, we've, it's just, it's just, there's a lot of things to come from Sergio Perez being in that seat. And we all know that he can carry all weekend. Um, just, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of adjustment. It's hard to adjust to being, you know, in that second seat and, being basically known you're the secondary driver you know like compared to being at uh, racing point the year beforehand it was pretty evenly matched um so yeah i think uh very good signs very good signs well and once again i saw some people were giving him some shit online and asking about how quick i mean i don't know why those those people automatically go to asking questions like well are they gonna what other driver could they possibly bring up in replace of Perez, I just I don't get it. I mean, he was less than a tenth off a of pole in his second race with the team. He's the first driver since Daniel Ricciardo to out qualify Max Verstappen, not being you know any mechanical issues or anything like that, just on pure pace. 
And I think his race was actually going well until he spun, even though he had the 10 second penalty because he was passing two cars uh, during the safety car period. Even after that, he came back and was running fourth and fifth, probably would have finished on the podium, but he just made a mistake. Everybody made a mistake. It'd be easier to count the drivers who didn't make a mistake than it would be to count the ones that did. So I think that sign already is very, very positive. And within another, I'd say probably by the time we get to Monaco or, you know, Baku, for example, he'll probably be on top of the RB16B completely. And then I think it's going to be almost two Red Bulls versus one Mercedes if the first two races are any indication, which uh, which we can get to. But yeah, I, I don't understand why... Like last year, we spent so much time and fans online talking about how Red Bull are brutal with their drivers. But now the fans are calling for him to be axed after two races when I think his first two races were actually pretty solid considering everything that's going on. Yeah, I I thought that he's one of the better drivers out there um, so far this season. Um, Yeah, he's made a couple of mistakes. I was watching the post-race interviews with um, uh, Daniel Ricciardo on Sky. And he was talking about how he was in talks with science on um, getting to terms with their new car. And that was the first laps they've ever run in wet conditions in a brand new car um, in that they were learning the tr- how to drive the car out there racing. Uh, and you saw that in Ricardo's pace and science's pace early on in the race. And I think you saw that with Perez as well. It's his first laps. Uh, in a in a wet race in Red Bull, which he's never driven, uh, you know, he, he has one race under his belt. He's never driven the wet before. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's might I add signs to that as well, actually, because we've seen what he can do in a wet race in a McLaren from last year. That's yeah. Uh, another you know another driver that is a great wet race driver who just you know at, at the beginning I think he did struggle and he managed to do really well and uh, get to his race craft together by the end of the race but I we kind of saw that you know it's hard to adjust to that new car being an experienced driver in F1 it's a wet race is completely different in every single car you go to and every single turn you go to it's a completely different condition you know yeah absolutely and, and like science's engineer was saying how you know when when science went off I think for the second time he got frustrated on the radio and yeah and science's engineer was like, man, you're going too fast. Like, just calm down. Take it yeah. easy. You, you're yeah, t- because I think right. after that time, he even said, like, how many mistakes am I going to make today? And yeah. it, it it happens. It's a wet race. You want to you wanna prove yourself in a new team. You know, you're going to push and try to prove yourself because, yeah, it's – like we, like I said, you know, we've seen signs. We've seen Red Bull, uh, both in you know Red Bull and McLaren, you know, prove that they they're really good wet drivers. And same with Pierre Gasly as well. Another name that I might throw in there, who, I mean, I, I think it was more to do with what the strategy was for for Pierre Gasly at the beginning. They wanted to kind of test it out because obviously nobody's tested out those full uh, wet weather tires. But he struggled a little bit at the beginning, and then as you know the race got going, he got just just more and more. So yeah. It's, going to take a little bit yeah these drivers have to get used to their new teams and in the case of Sergio Perez he spent seven years with Force India slash Racing Point mm-hmm. that's a very big change to go from that team to Red Bull completely different engine Red Bull always has a fairly extreme design concept with their car so mm-hmm. again I just think that being a t- less than a tenth off of pole in your second race beating Verstappen who went on to win the race and then went on to you know is going to challenge for the championship hopefully I think that's pretty impressive. And like you mentioned, Tyler, as well, I think he's one of the best drivers on the grid. So I don't, I don't understand why, uh, why there's so much criticism 
lobby toward his way. I think with all these drivers at the new teams like Fettel and Ricardo, like you mentioned, Shaker, Carlos Sainz, time time is going to be needed for these drivers to extract the most of the cars. If by, like I mentioned, race five, six, they're still struggling a lot. Okay, maybe then we can have a discussion on they're, they're not adjusting well, or maybe this wasn't the right choice for the team in terms of drivers. But I think right now, it's just a, a little bit too, too early. So keep your head up, Sergio Perez. Uh, don't stay off of social media. But uh, I think uh, big things to come, I think, for for Red Bull and, and Sergio Perez. Um, now, I want to transition them because we kind of almost segued into it before we touched on that last point. And that's what I mentioned earlier, which is that we could end up seeing a flip, flipping of the script in 2021, seeing two Red Bulls versus one Mercedes. And I mentioned that because Valtteri Bottas has had a rough start to the season and Bahrain, it wasn't his fault. The team botched his pit stop and it led to him obviously not being able to eventually fight for, for the race win. And then in this race, just, I don't know what happened to him this weekend, he qualified eighth, just wasn't able to get any temperature into the tires, wasn't able to find any sort of groove or rhythm, almost got passed by a Williams before it eventually crashed into him. So first, let's touch on the incident between George Russell and Valtteri Bottas, and then we'll get to Bottas. What did you guys think of the incident? If you had to lay blame, who would you put it on? And uh, anything else that you thought uh, about the crash? <clears throat> who tries to you, I thought you were going... <laughs> I thought you were going shaker. <laughs> you looked like you were eager. I mean, it. I mean, like, come on, man. <laughs> Look at the track, dude. Come on. <laughs> Who's the come on to? To, to? to George. Come on, dude. Oh, so you- like, I, I listen. It's it's a tough. It's it's tough. I I I think it's I think it's seventy five Russell's fault. Sorry, 7525 Russell's fault. I think, you know, he was very eager to do that overtake. I think if he waited literally three seconds more, literally three seconds more, I think he would have had the perfect opportunity to take on the turn and not before it. Um, Valtteri tried to make room for the overtake as well and have him on the turn as well. And I think he just got a little bit too eager. took it just a little bit too wide onto the grass and that just you know made the car spin out when he tried to go back i think that's why i say 75 25 you know like it's it's he was just literally i think three maybe less than three seconds he would have been able to make that turn perfectly and get get the overtake through because we all know valtteri was struggling with this pace it wasn't even the end of the race you know yeah i I got it uh 60 40 george uh, as my (laughs) breakdown um but i mean you can, we can break it down all we want in slow motion and stuff like that. But we always have also have to remember these cars are are closing, or you know, there's a 30 kilometer an hour difference between those two cars, yeah, uh, going to that section since it was a DRS zone, and um, I think it was a DRS zone. That's right. Anyway, it yeah, is. Yeah, it was okay. Uh, I didn't want to sound stupid. <laughs> um, and yeah, like the Williams was really catching the he had the Williams on pace. It was going well. Um, but the problem is that there's only one dry line in that combination of corners. Uh, and that's what Bottas was following. You can see, if you watch the video, you can watch his wheels. They're, they're coming over, but they're also very consistent to where the dry line is. Um, and, you know, Russell's saying how it spooked him. And you know what? It would scare the living shit out of me if I saw a car coming like that and I'm closing and trying to fill that gap. 
Um, and, you know, that's why we saw him get a tire on the grass. Uh, you know, he thought Bottas was, was coming over a little bit more than maybe what he was attending to. And, uh, and that's where we saw the crash uh, between the two. And, and a, a very hard hit for, mm-hmm. for Valtteri. Uh, you know, George kind of had his a combination of hits, you know, two or three that, you know, slowed the car down. But Valtteri had a, just a one, one big massive hit. So uh, I'm glad he's all right. But uh, yeah, it just really looked like he got just with the, com- like the wind completely knocked out of him with that. With that. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've heard his heavy breathing a few times when he's had yeah. hard hits. Like, right? I don't know if that's just he loses his breath easily or that's his kind of coping mechanism trying to figure out everything. Um, but man, it, it, like you said, Shaker, a couple more turns, a couple more seconds, he would have been there. And like, I know he's eager because, you mm-hmm. know, P9 means everything for Williams. And you know it doesn't really mean anything for Bottas, um, but you got to get the car home to get to P nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, is my issue there with George, and it's a learning lesson for him, in my opinion. He's got a lot to learn still. He's going for that position. Of course, he said maybe if it was any other driver, uh, Valtteri would have gave him more room, uh, <laughs> yeah. trying to cause you know there's a little bit of drama there. And of course, the going up to to Valtteri after the crash and saying you're trying to kill us both, and Valtteri just talking with his finger instead. <laughs> Uh, which was very okay, good. Serious question: Did he give the middle finger? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. It was it was very well done. Okay. Because Valtteri said he's like I don't even know what he said, and then the the reporter asked, "Oh, so you just spoke with your finger?" He goes, "Yep." <laughs> I, thought was, well, I thought it was very well done. But to create, you know a what? Bit that was drama. sorry. Yeah, I was, that was going to be my other uh, comment. Was going to be like, why? Like, I understand George wanted, like, in the heat of the moment, wanted to go up to Valtteri, but come on, man. Like, the dude just got in a car crash. Like, just let him get out of the car at least. You know what? Like, I'm okay <laughs> with it. I'm okay with it. And I tell you why. NASCAR, and everyone's going, all oh, North America, NASCAR. NASCAR <laughs> has built a, a little bit of, like, a, a reputation for fisticuffs, tempers flare in, in, on pit road and drivers, you know, going at each other. Um, and I, that brings a little bit of storylines to each race and, and it builds up and you have these rivalries build up for five, six years mm-hmm. uh, and fans love it. You know, like it gets everyone really into the action. They feel involved. They feel the passion about it. So I, I like it. I'm okay with, you know, I wish they went out. I wish they took the helmets <laughs> off and went out it right in the gravel trap right there. Um, Cause it's, it's brings eyes to the sport um it it shows a little bit of you know these guys aren't robots they're they're feisty they want to you know they're going for it yeah speaking of actually i i saw you're saying that it brings story people to watch i actually saw a picture of valtteri and uh george russell like on like a meme page as i was throwing through instagram not even like f1 related or anything just like a random meme page and there was just like Documentaries that are turned this around. It's like they used to be friends, and then it goes into black and white. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, but yeah, like like you said, it like it brings so much more people to watch and more interested in the sport. Absolutely, very good point. Well, speaking of memes, I actually have uh, some additional footage from the Russell and Bottas crash that not many people, I think, would have seen, and it's a pretty good summary uh, of the crash. Let me just uh, share my screen with you guys here. Um, I know last time we had some uh, audio problems. Let's see if I can get that corrected. Is that a, is this a back markers exclusive? This is a absolute <laughs> exclusive here. Uh, hold on, let me just see if I can. This won't be exclusive. I can't figure out the audio though. 
I know exactly what scene you're bringing <laughs> yeah. up. And this is phenomenal. <laughs> uh, this is awesome already. Is this uh, is this the grand tour or the show before it? Oh, yeah, this is we, grand tour. Okay, good. <laughs> so here here's some uh, additional footage if you guys haven't seen of the Russell and Bottas crash, and actually a pretty good summary of uh, of Sunday's events. Let's take a look here. Gold. Sorry, I was, I was watching about the taxi. You're now going to get macheted to death. I was watching the I taxi. Care. I did warn you. Did I, was... I or did I not warn you? James is killing Jeremy. Then things are going well. I was watching the taxi. What? I was watching the taxi. Did your co-presenter on your television program just attack <laughs> you with a machete? Yes, he did. He that... came to the window. It's quite cross because that... I ran into him. That doesn't happen on like clothes programs or no. gardening. <laughs> 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 I think I think the best part of it is having uh, is having Hammond as the Toto. Yeah. Just because we actually heard Toto Wolf this race, give a little fire to Valtteri. Uh, I think like a third of the way race through to pull to pull it together. He said something after the race too, because they did uh, they were doing an interview with a post race. And did he? oh no, I, sorry, I he did say something about Russell. Sorry. Oh, did he? Okay. Um, talking. Uh, I wish I had the quote. I don't want to misquote and 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 start something. I think he said um, like uh, that. Russell's uh, view on the crash was bullshit. Something like that. Oh, I I saw something where it was like it had to do with performance. Like uh, sometimes you have great races, and sometimes you have races like you're. I don't know. I I, I wish I had the the quote. I don't have it with me. Yeah, I know. Your manager, yeah, yeah, yeah. The way I see saw the crash, it was, and I had to look at it after the race, obviously, because of so much that was going on during the race. But I would probably agree more with what Shakers, if you had to put like, uh, you know, I'd probably say like 70 30, you know, on George Russell. But I just more saw it as a racing incident that, yeah, you're traveling at incredible top speeds, you got a drying track. Uh, you know, you got a very narrow circuit as well, and Valtteri's going for the racing line. So I didn't necessarily see him really having that much of a fault. But if you actually look, I think F1 posted that not too long ago, the battle between Perez and Fettel as well. I think yeah. it was right around the same time during the race. And you saw both of them, Fettel kind of do the same move, but Perez didn't overcorrect as much as George Russell did. And obviously, as soon as you touch that grass, you're just a passenger at that point. So... I think if Russell could have done anything differently, it's just sort of uh, back out a little bit, I guess, and, and maybe not uh, react so hard that way. But I think you bring up a good point, Tyler, too, that maybe he was trying just a little too hard to get those points, which are so important for Williams. We saw exact race here last year where he dropped it just under the safety car, just with a boot full of throttle and ended up in the wall. So we've seen that happen a few times from, from Russell. So maybe just a little bit more caution over adhesion, as they say. And to try and secure those points. But I looked at it more as a racing incident. And I, Russell came out after the race as well and apologized to Bottas. So I'm glad that that whole drama just got cleaned up quickly. And then we can just move on. Yeah. And I think it's, it, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see that from, uh, from George Russell. Because, you know, think of all the, the comments that Max Verstappen got, Lewis Hamilton got the, for when they first started out racing, you know, they had that fire in them to go for those, you know, to go for those small little chances that they might get ahead, get those small, get those points for their team. Um, and yeah, sure. You know, like it's, it can be your fault at the end, but he, at least he's trying, he's trying to get those points for his team. He's really fighting for it. Um, 
I and it's just it's gonna take a little bit to mature a little bit and you know and just realize when you have to when not to go for them and we only saw that from Max Verstappen like a year or two ago being a little bit more, more mature for those you know chances so it's it's gonna take some time for sure so yeah definitely will but those points will come for Williams of course but I, I just think that uh, overall and I just from that apology he kind of recognizes that. Uh, he made a mistake there in the, in the end. So it, it's just interesting the way it happened because that incident eventually saved Lewis Hamilton's championship lead. Otherwise, mm-hmm. Hamilton probably would have been able to get back onto um, the uh, what are the, the lead lap. And if, if I could use some IndyCar terminology, terminology okay. um, he would have been able to get back onto the lead lap most likely, but probably wouldn't have finished on the podium had that red flag not come out. So eventually yeah. his teammate and potential future teammate <laughs> saved uh, saved his championship lead only by the narrowest of margins, of course, only one point. But just funny how, how the, you know, perfect for, the, for social media, right? The two potential uh, suitors for that Mercedes seat, Bottas and Russell, come together, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Mercedes also, playing uh, chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to spend $15 million in cars. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also want to add again a touch of class for Lewis Hamilton, both for Lando Norris and George Russell this weekend. Uh, after feeling really bad for the mistakes, kind of going over and talking to them, uh, telling them it's okay from uh, you know Lando Norris in qualifying, and then obviously George Russell's uh, mistake in the race as well. So I I, I really like that because I'm I'm warming up to Lewis. I, yeah. I like I like Lewis now. Um, you know we gotta respect him for what he's done. Um, and has been an awesome ambassador to the sport, but this last year and a half, yeah, I've really noticed like an, a, I don't know if maybe it's just me, but I've really noticed a I little think, switch, like a mentor to these yeah, young kids. Absolutely. It's really interesting to see. Yeah. And I, like, I really like it, but it makes me feel old because he's, he's now that, but. Well, that's just it. You know, I think Lewis Hamilton, uh, I think a year and a half ago when we had that huge shakeup of, uh, you know, that huge driver shakeup of all these young drivers coming into the sport, it, you're, it seems you're right. It seems like almost he had like you know he changed the dial a little bit. He's like I'm still gonna be competitive, but I still have to be, you know, this role model for all these like young drivers, and especially you know being Lando Norris and uh, George Russell being British mm-hmm. as well. Uh, you know he's got to be this mentor. Uh, coming out and I think he's talked about it before to have you know more black drivers on their grid as well, and I think he's really taking that role. Um, I think it has to come with the fact that he he knows he's going to get that eighth driver championship, but now he's got somebody fighting for it too. And he's coming to the end of his career of a racing driver. You know, it's, he's, he's got to leave the sport with a name, uh, not just like an eight-time world champion. You know, like he's he's going to have his name for that forever. But to be that, to be that mentor for all these young drivers coming through now is going to be huge. Yeah, and if you guys wanted to check it out, there's a bunch of social media posts. I think he commented who on Lando's... Uh... Twitter or Instagram or whatever it was, hmm. and uh, somebody else's as well. I think George Russell's maybe yeah, um, yeah. after the race as well, too. So, yeah, very good to see that uh, the two sort of young and the old generation are, are battling on the track as well with Lando Norris versus Lewis Hamilton, who give a special shout out as well to Lando Norris, who was, you know, a few centimeters away from starting on the front row of the grid. Unfortunately, the track limits kind of bit him in the, ba- bit him in the ass in the end. And he had to start seventh, but to go from seventh to third, he had a real shot at second place as well. You know, that podium was completely on merit for Norris and McLaren. So uh, a very exceptional drive for him. And I thought he drove a a really, really good race. And in his own words, he said he almost drove a a perfect weekend 
had it not been for that lap in Q3. But when I saw him going uh, purple in the first two sectors, I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, he might grab pole. Yeah. That, could you imagine the scenes? I mean, that would have really shook things up. And it's not even like it was a wet rate or a wet qualifying. It was it was dry. It was just pure pace of the McLaren. So I'm excited to see once Daniel gets a grip of, of that McLaren, where the one-two will land, uh, whether they're fighting Red Bull and Mercedes. I mean, like it looks like pure pace to do. The race pace wasn't really there as much, but the, the qualifying pace was outstanding. Mm-hmm. I, uh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to add that I think it'll be track specific. You know, this mm-hmm. Imola track is more of a driver's track where each driver can really make the difference in performance. We don't have massive long straights. You don't have a lot of corners that demand high downforce. It's like kind of right in the middle. So I think that it will be track specific. Interesting how they're going to go at Portugal. Um, they had a very good start here uh, there last year. I think it'll be kind of track specific. They're not there yet in that pace, in that terms. But I think that there will be races where they can get, you know, that podium that will be more on merit than it will be luck, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, that Lando and Daniel Ricardo thing that you mentioned, Tyler. I'm really, really excited to see uh, Lando Norris this year because we've already seen in the last two races that he's uh, the fire in him, the little f- that that fight to be that number one driver and kind of establish himself. He's like, listen, I've been here for two years now, and you're the you're the new guy coming in. No matter what experience you have, I've been driving this car for two years, and you know, like he he's demanding respect on that grid. You know, he's like, I can show pace, I just don't know yet because I don't have clean air. You know, it's a little shot at you know. He's like, get me ahead of Daniel. I can be faster than Daniel. I can be faster than my teammate. So well, I'm re- I'm really happy to see that from Lando Norris this year. I think that's one of the things we mentioned that he was missing in the last two years. Absolutely, yeah. But Daniel even said post-race, he agreed with the move that McLaren made. He goes, yeah, no, Lando was faster. He goes, yep. uh, and and went on to say he was just trying to find coming to grips. And that's when they went on about the whole wet tire thing and learning the car still and, and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like, Ricardo agreed with him. And I thought that's nice to see from a team dynamic that, okay, now you can really tell race two, we've got two team players here that are looking out for the best of McLaren. Yep. And that's a, a big recipe for success for uh, for the people in McLaren. Yeah, absolutely. There was no question from Daniel at all. He's like, uh, he's like understood. And there was like literally next turn that they got it done. There was no waiting, no like making sure he gets a little bit of an extra step, you know, that we've uh, a little bit of an extra foot on the track. No, it was right away. He's like, he's like understood, done. Like, it's great to see that, you know. Yeah, he's ultra competitive, but he is a team player. And I think Ricardo mm-hmm. knows at this point that he's not getting the most out of the MCL 35M. So mm-hmm. same with Perez, as we just talked about at the top of the show. It's going to take a couple of races, but it hasn't been a bad start. I mean, sixth and seventh in the first two races is is good. Uh, haul, decent haul of points for them and, and just bringing the car home, which is important. So I'm um, very excited, like you guys mentioned, to see that play out. And I'm glad to see Norris is kind of taking that next step and, and not backing down from, from Ricardo, who is a tough teammate to have. Um, 
Now, just two more points from my side before we, we get into kind of a closing. And then if you guys want to add anything more from the race, we've got some uh, additional news that uh, we want to talk about before we wrap up the show. Uh, two things I wanted to mention was it was interesting to see in this race in particular, sort of the old guard of Formula One struggle a little bit in terms of Fettel and Alonso. Uh, you know, you even saw Alonso. I don't know if many people saw it. He spun actually just under the red flag coming back into the pits. He went through mm-hmm. the debris. And extremely low speeds, and he just spun it around. So it just shows you how tricky the conditions were. Excuse me. But even after the race, he was extremely unhappy with himself. Even though he did score the point, thanks to the penalties to Raikkonen, for example, he just wasn't happy with his performance. And he's like, yeah, I mean, there's no excuse. I can't even use the excuse of it's only my second race back in F1. He just said, I just got to be better. And then obviously we know Vettel had a lot more issues in terms of mechanical stuff. I think he had a much better weekend than he did in Bahrain but was still off the pace in, in qualifying, but in the race looked a little bit more comfortable. But it's interesting to see how the likes of Science and Leclerc and Norris, who we just talked about, those younger drivers are starting to do you know, a little bit better and really challenging the, uh, the veteran drivers of, of Formula One, which is, which is nice to see, like we saw in the Hamilton-Norris battle. Um, yeah, it was uh, one of the other things I was happy to see is Vettel to make that call, to make be the first one to be like, put me on the medium tires. I'm going to be the first one to go at it. Uh, kind of really shows you that he really wants to fight for those positions. He doesn't want to just, you know, he wants to get comfortable in the car, but he's willing to put himself in like those uncomfortable positions to kind of get the best out of, but to get the best for the team. Uh, and it took him a little bit, a few laps to kind of get adjusted. But yeah, once he kind of got there, you could really show, see the pace that they were kind of going to be pushing. Um, and yeah, it's just going to take a little bit of time for Vettel and Alonso to adjust to it for sure. I actually thought it was an awesome team move by Seb because he took one for the team there. And immediately once he thought the track was ready for, for drives, he radioed he radioed in and said, you know, the track's ready to get drives on. And Lance came around, put drives on it, and yep. uh, it was kind of the signaling of that's when everyone came in. So, uh, yeah, a great team play from Sebastian. Sucks about the break by wire issue. I know Lance had the same thing. And then they had a – there's a lot of technical failures with us, and they had a, a gear sink issue that was affecting Vettel worse. The break by wire was affecting Vettel uh, – break by wire was exp- affecting Vettel worse uh, than Lance as well. So, um, I guess shout out to Lance for, for a great drive dealing with those – uh, tough mechanical failures or issues that he had during the whole race. Hopefully, Aston Martin get that sorted out and we get Vettel up with, with Lance getting some points. Yeah, absolutely. I think if it was uh, maybe another driver, there would be a little bit more coverage on Lance's race. But despite the penalty, yeah, I agree, Tyler. I think he had a pretty good race. And uh, I think that he's gotten more on top of that new AMR 21. I don't know if many people were following the off-track drama during the weekend, which was Otmar Safnauer and Aston Martin almost requesting the FIA to kind of change the rules because it's been uh, you know, disadvantageous to them, which I found was pretty hilarious. But I think that that kind of quieted down a little bit uh, post-race. But yeah, interesting stuff that's happening kind of there behind the scenes. But we'll- yeah, you got to try, I guess. It's not F1 if you're not trying to get an upper hand somehow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But funny just which team it's coming from, right? Because obviously last year, Safnauer and, and Aston Martin really took the position of like, well, you know, you guys just should have done what we did and and that type of thing. So we'll see what their pace brings us. But uh, the final thing for me on on the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix and just a shout out I wanted to give actually was to the Haas race engineers. Yep. In, in particular, Mick Schumacher's race engineer, because 
I, we're going to play maybe just a little bit of it here. I just pulled it up because I think it's worth listening to if you haven't already seen it. I believe they included it in uh, the F1 Best of Team Radios, but we'll play a little bit of an extended version. I believe that Schumacher's race engineer is Gary Gannon. I'm not exactly sure if that's right, but he was Kevin Magnuson's uh, race engineer, of course, for the last Okay, few- dude. Yeah, yeah, it sounded it sounded <laughs> like him. So I yeah, I feel, I, I feel like you're correct about that. As long as there's two okay dudes in this quote, I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, okay. So I'll share the screen here with there's you guys. One right at the beginning of it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I I just love seeing it though because obviously, um, you know, Haas is having a very difficult season, and it's not easy with two young drivers. It wasn't easy last. Uh, last year as well of course with two very experienced drivers but it's even harder with two young drivers so let's uh we'll, we'll play a little bit of it it's three minutes 50 we won't go to play the whole thing but uh we'll play a little bit of it and then we'll kind of pause and stop as we go so mick just come around carefully and safely and then we'll get another front wing for you okay so first of all this guy could have a second career as like uh you know a books on tape voiceover yes. actor right phenomenal voice on huh? I'm I'm already more calm just listening to him. <laughs> so take your time, uh, Mick. There's no rush. It's all right. There's no rush to get around. Just get the car around safely, and we'll get you a new front wing, and we'll get you fresh tires, okay? Just drive slow. The message from race control is to drive slowly, Mick. So this is what I loved. It's just, you know, it's all, it's almost like a parent in a way that he's talking to him and just kept him very calm. And you'll see in the later parts too, he's just saying like, you know, don't worry. Like we're in a good position here. We can regain what we've lost. He's coaching him well on don't come into the pit lane. It's closed. So I, I just think that this is an excellent, uh, excellent exchange between driver and race engineer. So keep going slow, Mick. Keep going slow. If um, Vettel goes around, so be it. Uh, the pit entry is closed right now anyway, so you can't box right now. So until they unopen the pit entry, we can't, um, we can't do anything, okay? So there's no rush to come back around. I actually don't think there's an okay dude in this. And just take your time coming around. We don't want to um, have any issue. And then once the pit entry gets open, we'll come in, we'll change the front wing, and we'll put another set of extreme on. Is it soon to be open? Not yet. I don't know yet how soon it will open, so just just keep going slow. We can't come in until it's open, so I'll just find out how quickly they think it's going to open. So don't rush back. We're going to give you new tires, and you'll get a new front wing. You'll still be able to catch up to the group, so just go slow. Pit entry is still closed at the moment. We're talking to the race control, but pit entry is still closed, so you will stay out. Again, everyone is still under safety cars, so we're not losing any uh, track position or anything. Just drive carefully so we don't have any issue. So I think that was basically the gist of it. It goes on a little bit more to when uh, he's asking about track conditions and everything. But I just thought, what a brilliant exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, really calming, especially for a young driver who just made a uh, you know, slightly embarrassing mistake. I mean, it, it is... He's wearing up tires in wet conditions. I mean, it can happen to anyone. I mean, even Magnuson hit Grosjean during that incident, and we saw that happen to Haas earlier. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> all right, not Magnuson, Erickson. Right. Oh, I ruined the joke. Oh, <laughs> no. I, I got what you were trying to say. No, it's ruined. It's ruined, <laughs> Chris, and I'm a failure. I need I need him to coach me back up. Um, <laughs> I, I need to get him. I need Greg on the on the 
podcast here coach me back up i gotta coast around and <laughs> and, and get a new ego on on myself i think um oh, my God. I was, oh uh watching that team radio reminded me charlotte claire apparently did not have team radio for a third of that race wow oh, that's crazy no, like he was just apparently i was reading going through this apparently for it was for part of the race he had no contact with rate like with, with his team whatsoever like apparently right at the beginning of the race when it was raining. So that was also very well done for him to actually manage to make it all the way through. Yeah. Wow. Ex exceptional. Yeah. Another good weekend then for, for Leclerc and Ferrari. Um, okay. Well, that was really my final thoughts on, on the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix. Before we get to the final news, before we wrap up, do you guys have anything else that uh, you want to talk about from the race? I, um, I didn't say this last year, but maybe we have Emil on the calendar next year. I'm just saying it was a it was a very good race, um, and I wouldn't mind seeing Emila back on the on the circuit for next year. Yeah, I think um, I wasn't too sure about it last year when they first did it, um, but I think this year they added a fast uh, a longer DRS. And then did, did am I mistaking that they made some of the lanes a little bit wider? Or is that Portimao that I'm thinking of? Because uh, I know. Not Hundred percent sure. I know they made DRS longer by hundred meters, two hundred yeah. meters or something. But I'm not hundred percent think... sure on the track widening. Yeah, uh, I feel like they did something to Portimao as well that's supposed to make a little bit better from last year. But it was a really good race. Um, I would like to see it maybe in drier conditions, just because you know, like uh, we mentioned with that uh, the Russell and Botas incident, maybe that incident wouldn't have happened if there was, you know, if the track wasn't wet. So. I think there is uh, one of the things that we weren't sure about was if there was going to be really uh, good spots to overtake on Imola. And I think from what we saw this year, uh, from the last race, it, there, there is places to overtake. It is possible and it can be a really good race. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree. I, I would love to see it, you know, as the Italian Grand Prix from now on. Uh, oh, so you're saying Axe Monza? Yeah. Well, or like switch it up, you know, maybe do uh, Imola one year and Monza the next year, you know? Okay. No, that's fair. Yeah, that's just a little bit, a little bit of variance for the Italian Italian Grand Prix. They have so many tracks there, you know. Um, so yeah, that is true. I think you got to keep uh, you got to keep Monza, but maybe just at Imola as well. Yeah, it's doable. Make it the European Grand Prix. I know they'd like to do that. Well, there you go. Well, <laughs> actually, perfect segue then because we're talking about race calendars and everything. No, Chris, for that to happen, they would have to not get France involved. Uh, it would just have to be Spain, England, and. Uh, Hey, no, I actually heard that Ferrari, uh, Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull are doing a breakaway league. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Just, just them that. three competing against each other? Yeah, I can't wait. Calling it Super Formula? Yeah, Super Formula. <laughs> yeah. I guess we could have a whole other podcast on that, right? A week could go on for four hours on that. Yeah. Craziness. Anyways, glad every, all the clubs have pulled out pretty much. Um, well, the English clubs, at least. And uh, that's why I'm not wearing a top plate. I, I'm a Tottenham supporter. I'm, I'm not wearing any, anything Tottenham right now. I'm disappointed in the club. So yeah. anyways, Brentford it is, I guess, for today. Yeah, fair enough. Just goes to show that F1 is not the only sport kind of muddied by politics at times, right? It's true. Yeah, yeah it's true. Apparently in uh, in one F1's like, you know, random like question, like quiz things that you do on Instagram. Apparently one of the questions was like, uh, there was delays in Imola for something. And one of the questions was the, the, uh, uh, the European super league discussion. Was one of the things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I think it was from McLaren, wasn't it? 
I think it was from McLaren or something like that. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, you gotta get those social media clicks. Like Leeds United, they're playing um, Liverpool. Uh, yes, well, I don't know when this comes out. So I, uh, Monday night, um, and their Twitter was phenomenal. Instead of calling them Liverpool, they were calling them the Merseyside Reds instead <laughs> from the Super League, which was I don't know. I thought whoever was the admin on there is did a great job. Yeah, some of the content was great. Um, I mean, also not great at the same time. You know, seeing all these fans at their home clubs just like super distraught about it is yeah, uh, yeah, it's disheartening. Like, uh, well, you're you're a man. Well, I guess we can let's talk about this quickly. <laughs> <laughs> you're a Man United supporter, Shaker. Uh, I'm a Tottenham supporter. Um, so we uh, like our clubs. Chris, you're I'm an Ibrahimovic supporter. So right now it's Milan. <laughs> so you're in this too, then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, like. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very disappointed. You know, even from us coming from North America and, you know, the whole um, no relegation thing, how it works in North America. Yeah, it works in North America because there was never really a culture that was built on uh, a pyramid system. When you have a full culture built on it, and I love the pyramid system, I think it should come in North America. I think I agree. Awesome right. yeah. I, I think have. it should be involved in more sports, not just soccer. Yeah. I think it's a great opportunity to give, you know, these small town clubs that, you know, pour their heart and soul from like all the locals that, you know, the locals that put money into it to come out and have an opportunity to play like a huge team like Man United, uh, Real Madrid, um, just and come out and show up, you know, it provides so much like local tourism for the travel back and forth, the home and away games. Uh, just to have it all taken away, just so you know, all these rich clubs can have more money in the end, like it just doesn't make any sense, man. Soccer man yeah. was created for the everyman. It's literally so you can pick up a ball or a rock off the street and kick it into a net and the net can be made from anything. That's what yeah. soccer is. <laughs> like, yeah. You, know, you hit the nail on the head shaker. I mean, in these clubs, they, they dream, they can have a dream of, you know, going to the Premier league or making it to the champions league. Like look yeah. at West Ham this year. I mean, after like a ton of abysmal seasons, I mean, they're right now in a Champions League spot. They they could you know they could look at Leicester. Leicester would never have their shot yeah. if it wasn't for the pyramid system. So, uh, I mean, I'm glad to see that the whole. It was, but really, I can take a positive is the whole, the whole soccer world united over yeah. this issue. Um, you saw fans from all over the world putting in their support for um, the everyday people and to say no to the Super League. So. I thought it was awesome. It will be interesting. I hope they punish all the teams. Um, I think they deserve to be punished, in my opinion, banned from the Euros for, for next year or any European competition. Uh, so yeah, man, let, so, yeah. let me play Europa League th- this year, though. I, next year is fine. <laughs> no, yeah, that's what I, I mean. Want, but, I want my cup. <laughs> but, yeah, I, you, you finish this year, but I think you, you yeah, exclude I, them from I'm next season. Totally okay with that because it just – it just doesn't make any sense for the all these owners to be like, no, screw the system. We're gonna make our own system to just make us money. You know, yeah, like, and it's like not, to go it's with not no punishment to anybody else in the soccer world. Just us. We're gonna get the money on our own. And if you don't punish these teams, you have to be worried about it. You know, they're coming up with a better plan next time or something. Yeah. You know, they, they, their plan was awful. I, that was one of the worst pitches I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. You have to think those are billionaires. You think they know what they're doing. Um, you know, read a room, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's my opinion. We could, this isn't a soccer podcast, I guess we can go back to have one. <laughs> I need to get my rant out somewhere. I was so annoyed. Yeah, the last 24 hours, I've been annoyed. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's been pretty insane. I'm very glad to hear. Um, the biggest advantage for me being a Man United fan is our our Ed Woodward, our fi- mm. our basically our bank manager, got let go. You guys hate him, don't you? I didn't know there was such a big hate there, but like no one likes him. Dude, do you like? You don't realize how many good players we have missed out on just because he was like, this guy is going to make us money just because he's popular in this country. And we're going to get a bunch of money because there's a bunch of fans around the world that really like this one young guy. Uh, Or we could have had, you know, like there's, he's done some great trades, but we like Di Maria, like (laughs) great for a season. But why did we need to get Di Maria just because he was a big name? Like he would. There's just a lot of trades that could have been so much more worthwhile, not just for money reasons and investment reasons, you know. <laughs> you can look at Ibrahimovic. You can look at, yeah. uh, at Edison. Cavani well, I mean, let's, let's be real. Ibra was. You know, I know, mean, Ibra's still Ibra. Yeah. I love Ibra. 36 getting 35 goals in a season in their Premier League. Like, not no one else can do that. <laughs> no, we yeah, everyone here loves Ibra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, different story there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's it's very good to hear uh it is I mean, it's european sport related a lot of these guys are soccer fans too so yeah. i'm sure it's yeah it, it's great yeah yeah i'm sure nobody could avoid it so uh yeah just uh good to get it out there anyways <laughs> um right. all right well then uh the final one for me is uh some some news that's outside of the current f1 season but it's something that relates to next year and that is the announcement of another racetrack added to the f1 calendar which is miami now, if you guys aren't aware of the uh, whole kind of saga of the Miami Grand Prix, it's been ongoing for many, many years now, pretty much ever since we've started this podcast. And they finally got it through. I think the citizens are still pissed off about having an F1 race in their backyard. But nevertheless, obviously, money always prevails. Um, now, if you guys aren't familiar with Miami, uh, I think that I've got a pretty good video here that oh, kind of no. uh, just uh, gives a little bit of a nice... I'm scared. Don't, don't worry, like my... it's, it's PG-rated. <laughs> Like Miami's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to that afterwards. But I think this one uh, just kind of explains it very well, and it's uh, explained by some familiar friends of our show. Oh. Yes, Miami, home to all the most successful drug dealers. <laughs> this year's Mr. Big Mac and Silicon Valley. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That pretty much sums up Miami. I've never been. Um, I haven't either, but well, that's all I've heard about it. Yeah, my dad's been. He, he said he loved Miami. I don't know. <laughs> but he actually <laughs> went to Hard Rock. He went to the Hard Rock Stadium uh, oh, nice. to watch a football game. There so you he go. said the stadium is. Yeah, he said the stadium is awesome, uh, and it's a great little area. So it's. it's I like. I look. The track layout looks awesome. Apparently, if you stand on top of the Hard Rock, you can see the whole track from the roof, oh, uh, which is pretty cool. I heard. Uh, I heard different. I heard if you stand on top of the Hard Rock, you can see all the drug boats coming in. Well, that too, that too. That, that's definitely going to happen. I just, um, sorry, sure. Are they trying to make Miami like a Monaco? Is that their intent? It's a good point. I think it is. Maybe. Like, yeah, like have it's... like a like a race spanning the city with a bunch of boats that can look at, at like off the waterfront. Like, it, well, it seems like like they're trying to make it more of like a like a party kind of than an actual race. It's definitely a party. Like I'd say Monaco is probably number one for party scene, and then like yeah. Abu Dhabi and now Miami are going to be like my, Abu Dhabi is number two. Yeah, but no, it it's going to be a close. Now. It's going to be a close race for number two now. I mean, uh, us being from Canada, it's another opportunity to possibly go see a race. 
yep. uh, in North America. Uh, you know, it's, flights to Miami are very cheap, very cheap, uh, as you could imagine. Um, so, sure, I mean, yeah. we're lucky we have Montreal an hour and a half away from where we are. Um, if you know, eventually when we get that race back, um, but it'll be nice to maybe be able to take off two races. Uh, you know, we do a long road trip. You go Austin <laughs> and then you go to Miami. Yeah. I mean, they would. Would they do? Yeah, would they do those back to back? Obviously, they have there's to. no point in re-leaving the country, right? Yeah, you'd have to do. I, I mean, if I'm a schedule maker, you do um, Austin, Miami, Mexico, uh, and then you go Brazil. Yeah, that that would make sense. I think I heard though that they're looking to do it after or before Canadian the Canadian Grand Prix. That oh, makes so do two. It kind of makes that trip that, a little bit more worth it, right? Yeah, that does that make sense. Have- it's still yeah it's still early though obviously we just started this season so they're not sure and they just signed a 10-year contract a few days ago but that was sort of the rumored part but that would be kind of you'd hit all the bases there going you know miami mexico us that would be fine too but then you get into climate different things although you know miami the the weather's always good yeah Uh, so yeah we'll, we'll see uh, and we all, uh, for those of you who don't know, I guess most Europeans won't know, but anyone from North America, Florida, random thunderstorms are a big thing. They just show up out of nowhere. So like it, it will be sunny and then it'll just be like a tornado watch and you'll have a monsoon coming. So it could create for some wild weather situations over there in Miami. Yeah, it could be really interesting. Yeah. As long as we have a Canadian Grand Prix on the schedule next year so we can go. Yeah, exactly. Oh, next year, yeah. I'm hoping they get to move the, the Grand Prix this year to later in the year. It's going to be very tricky with the schedule, but I guess there's always hope. Yeah, there's no 100%. There's been no confirmation from F1. Uh, I know that other things have came out, so it's still up in the air as of now. Maybe by the time we record the next podcast, we'll have some sort of information. But yeah, we'll see. It's supposed to happen, obviously, uh, first first or second week of June, I believe. But no uh, yeah, don't probably it's not going to not gonna go for this year. Um, yeah, because... I just hope they move it to the fall or something. I don't know. Yeah, because F1, I don't think they've said they've officially canceled it. They've just said postponed, I believe. That's right. Go on their website. It doesn't say canceled or moved. It just literally said postponed, and it still has it listed like in the June area. So I think it, there, there's a possibility, but I think if it gets to the point where you know we're in August and they still it still says postponed, I think at that point they'd cancel it because to have, what, a month? and a half basically because you can't you can't have that race in november uh has to <laughs> well, be september october when does what's the austin gp usually october usually october oh yeah yeah like you can't it, like it just even having that race in montreal in november is just it's not why it'd be snowing <laughs> yeah well like you you don't know that's just thing you know like we we live in ottawa close enough to montreal to know that November is just one of those times that you might get, you know, 20 meters of uh, 20 centimeters of snow one day. And then the next day it's going to be like 15 degrees outside. Yeah. So, and that all that snow is going to be gone. So it, it's just, it's so like dependable on the weather that I think pushing November is a little bit too much. Like September and October is for sure doable, but just to plan it, uh, within a month, month and a half, um, knowing us knowing the state that Montreal's in and because of COVID and stuff like to have them to get all their shit together in a month and a half to have that make that race happen is highly unlikely yeah yeah and unfortunately the rest of the calendar is already full as well so yeah it's it's most likely just going to get scrapped altogether but 
if we get some sort of update, you'll hear about it on Twitter, or we can just talk about it next time uh, we get on here the podcast. But if not, then we'll just figure out if there's something special that we can do for for that race weekend. Uh, you know, some some form of content at least for for the Canadian viewers and people who normally go to the race, at least. Okay, well, that was an extremely detailed and, and very thorough podcast, not just on F1, but a whole bunch of things that are going on uh, in the sporting world. Uh, if you guys, uh, do you have any final thoughts uh, on the race or anything like that? Any any last words? No, not for me. I, I'm excited to see what our next race is going to bring. I mean, uh, we have a great fight, one point difference between uh, between Lewis and Max. And uh, you have some awesome young kids also coming up and, and performing really well as well. So awesome start to the year. Yeah, well said. And this is where the, the calendar really picks up. We had uh, obviously the three-week break, but now we don't have any more of those. So Portimao is going to be coming up uh, pretty much uh, in about a week and a half or, or so by the time this podcast gets released. Uh, so, of course, we'll be bringing you our preview and our guide to that race as well. Another great track returning onto the calendar from 2020. So business is really about to pick up here in the 2021 F1 season, as well as on the Backmarkers F1 Show channel. Thank you very much, everybody, for, joining, for tuning in today, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a podcast app of your choice. We really appreciate all the support. If you haven't already done so, remember to subscribe to our channel. Give this video on YouTube a like and also uh, give us a, a nice little rating there on the uh, podcast apps if you are listening through there. If you want to reach out to us, all of our links can be found in the description below, whether it's uh, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere else. Uh, we're always uh, open to any feedback or any suggestions, and we look forward to hearing from you. Tyler, Shaker, thanks very much, guys, for, for joining me today. We appreciate all the input you guys have given. Thank you to all who watched, and uh, I've been Chris Cato. Until next time, it's bye for now. Have a good one, guys.